Hey, Max. Welcome back to episode 11. 11. I love it. As we know, after a year delay, the Olympic Games are set to begin. <laughs> In Tokyo, of all places. So the Tokyo Games are set up to be the most innovative, interactive, and immersive games yet. You know I love that. Some of the most advanced technologies are being used by Japan for these games. One of them being facial recognition. That's that's pretty awesome. I know, that's you mean, your favorite. You mean they're not going to have the badges with the lanyards? <laughs> like when I go to a trade show? Yeah, like they have. we have them laying all over the house for some reason. They're that, for the kids. They're for the kids. <laughs> Just in case they want a rope. <laughs> that's what I like to give my toddlers, some rope. <laughs> being used for security screening related tasks of athletes, staff members, individuals, making the process faster and providing better security. Originally planned for only security, but after this crazy year and the outbreak of COVID-19, having touchless security screening processes are definitely a, the way to go. Yes, yeah, super important. So what are other tech things being done? Well, for one, transporting the athletes and their trainers using driverless cars. Wow. That, that is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Over 100 self-driving cars um, are going to be ready to transport athletes and their trainers for the Tokyo Olympics. Another is robot assistance. There's going to be eight to 10 different robots performing various tasks. For example, one's designed to just carry your equipment. Which uh -huh. I don't understand why they wouldn't just make that one like a caddy for golf going oh, forward. Yeah, that would be Someone very cool. Someone carry my bag, a little robot. That would be amazing. Yeah. I've also heard they're using them to guide people to their seats. Even though, how many people are going to need? <laughs> they're like, oh, you're 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 here, John. Let yeah. me take you to your seat. <laughs> you no one's allowed. There's also going to be immersive live viewing with virtual reality experiences for spectators, and those okay. are spectators at home, not just spectators. The two spectators that'll be in the stadium <laughs> when the athletes are competing. Well, there will be spectators. They just won't be foreign spectators. That's true. There are local spectators. But the concept here is that the viewer is able to really enjoy the event uh, for everything from the opening ceremony to matches and other events in a way that feels like you're sitting in the venue. That's so, cool. So really kind of immersed in, in NBC Olympics is actually planning to provide more than 50 hours of live virtual reality coverage, which I know you're going to want to watch. Well, I was I was reading about that, and then I was thinking, how would that work? Would I need those special goggles that I always ask you about? But you might not have to, because NBC is planning on a 360-degree or 180-degree live video experience through NBC Sports app, which you can download to your mobile device, and there's no equipment required. Of course, the full VR experience, you will need to have a more full interface that requires the goggle. Don't worry. We, I got them for you. I got you the goggles. I know, I know. I'm not worried. I want to make sure you have that real immersive experience. Yes. Another tech advance being implemented is an instant language translator, yes. which is kind of like, why didn't they do that before in previous Olympics? Uh, they're really doing it, obviously, to avoid any language barriers at such a global event. Um, and Japan is putting into place a new state-of-the-art instant translation system that works in real time and can be installed on any smartphone. 
and I can't believe there's no <laughs> other translation no, after there figured is. this out until no, now. There is that. Well, they're using the Voice Tra app, but there are tons of translation apps, and actually, there. But yes. I agree with you. Translation apps are everywhere, but this is pretty cool. I think there's just more tech advanced. There's an ability to identify different dialects, which I don't know has been done before. That's actually amazing. So the nurse side of me, though, thinks one very cool thing being done in Japan is they have invested over $500,000 in a paramedic translation app, and that is going to help speed translation for ambulance crews. This app is also able to handle phrases and tech words names of drugs and medical conditions related to emergencies and healthcare. Wow. And that could be like pretty crucial in saving lives. <laughs> yeah, you kind of watch <laughs> translation when you're on the when you're on the stretcher being taken to the yes. hospital. The Tokyo Games, as we have kind of alluded to, will have a limited amount of domestic fans, but have banned all foreign fans. That means no parents of athletes from Team USA or any other team for that matter. Some of the parents of athletes had a following that lo we love to watch them as much as we love to watch the athletes. Do you remember in the last Olympics during the gymnastic events, Allie Reisman's parents? Oh, they yeah. Were the fun I mean, it was um, more exciting sometimes to watch what, how they reacted than to see the actual that was event. That was part of the spectator I know, sport. But because you know what? It's very hard to watch your baby out there putting themselves on the line. And you could appreciate that from watching our daughter when she would be competing in gymnastics. <laughs> That's right. I, sometimes I felt horrible like to miss the actual moment because my hands were over my eyes. <laughs> I know. It's, it's very emotional. I personally can't even imagine these athletes work their whole life for this one moment, and right. I'm sure they want to have their loved ones and their family with them. I know. I mean, I don't like to miss a game at the local middle school when uh, one of the <laughs> boys right. is you know, playing. To think of not going to the Olympic Games that your child has worked their entire life up until this moment, and you're not going to be able to watch it. I know. Well, obviously, it comes out of the health and safety concerns amid the ongoing coronavirus. Right. And I pandemic. should say that they are going to be able to watch it. They're just going to have to watch it differently because broadcasters are using very creative ways to catch families' reactions, like we used to catch Allie Reisman's parents by using ultra-fast connections, and they promise viewers new viewing angles and less lag by doing types of zooms into the homes of the family members. That that's probably going to be the most watched. <laughs> Everybody wants to see the reaction, not just them doing amazing or or unfortunately sometimes not doing what? as well. But <laughs> what? but it's that's the emotional connection right. that you have with the athlete and with their family. Yeah, I don't know. I might I feel like it might be a little distracting because I get it. It's fun to watch them when they're in the arena. But now you're watching like a split screen. Like I don't, who wants a split screen of like a family member? This is like watching the draft this year. Like we were watching, you know, what was going on and then a split screen. And it was like a little confusing. First of all, I love a split screen. <laughs> and this has actually never been done before. So it's a right. pretty unique experience. They're going to start broadcasting all this in 8K as well. Forget 4K. What is 8K? 4, 4K is like last year. You know, that's, that's not enough K. You're talking about 8,000 pixels. So if you thought watching something on a 4K TV broadcasting in 4K really made you feel like you were there, yeah, they're going to double up. It's 8,000 pixels Oof, in that close. image, that's which like, is so sharp. That's very sharp. Someone should <laughs> warn these people how sharp it's going to be. That that is, But that is a true immersive experience. 
And it's interesting but because the basis for all this was really the deployment of 5G in Japan. Uh, wow. There's actually three, the three largest investors in this technology and immersive spectator experience technology are Major League Baseball, the National Football League, which I'm really happy about because yeah. I want to be more immersive when I watch my football in the Olympics. Ah, okay. Which is interesting because that's even higher than uh, Major League Soccer, which is a worldwide right. sport. Yeah. You would think like soccer should have probably got, gotten to this first to try to draw in that that global I'm audience. I'm surprised they haven't with the World Cup and everything. It's It's interesting because the whole concept of immersive experience for fans was actually designed for stadium owners initially to help them sell seats. Because I'm sure like when we've gone to games, unless you get really good seats, and obviously that's whether you're in a concert or whether you're watching a sport, you know, sometimes it's better to actually be sitting at home and watching right. it and getting a much better uh, point of that view. That's always how we, what you tell our kids about the Super Bowl. You're better off watching it at home. Yeah, we're not. I mean, <laughs> unless, unless by some miracle somebody gives us some seats, you're going to see a lot more action at home. But that's the concept is that's going to change because those stadium owners really want to give you that experience where you've got the energy of the crowd and you feel like you're a part of it and that you're physically there, but you're not giving up all that live coverage and the stats and the updates on injuries and everything else that you're getting at home. Like at home, it's that split screen. You know, you're getting all that information. Um, it's also about modernizing the overall experience to really attract that younger spectator. Ah, yes, the younger spectator. Actually, I think one one amazing thing that's going on in this Olympics for the first time, which will be very exciting for the younger spectators especially, is that there will be distribution of about 5,000 medals and they will be made from recycled small electrical products that have been donated over the past few years by the Japanese citizens. So that's like the coolest example of sustainability. And I think that's just something that's so interesting and different. And I don't think that people realize that that's even going to be going on. I think that's actually very interesting. But looking back, they probably should have saved all those microchips because <laughs> right now we've got a worldwide shortage and we can't manufacture devices because of it. So maybe we could have had them donated over the years. We'll just and... have to have everyone dig through their drawers for their old cell phones. <laughs> Look, and... Looking for the old Blackberries again. Yes. yes. Oh. The BlackBerry. What was the the messenger you used to use on BlackBerry? WhatsApp. No, that wasn't WhatsApp. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean the messenger? It was it was like the the BBM or something. Oh, BBM is yeah, that what it was? it was the BBM. What did it stand for? BlackBerry Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I, I remember what that's what it stood for. And then if you really held out, you you kept watching like friends disappear from your BBM list oh until there was God. no one left, and it was like, okay, it's time for me to switch to a. I know, I know, you're gonna say iPhone, but to a smartphone, right? So anyway, to implement this whole concept of immersive experiences for the Tokyo Olympics, Japan actually created 5G standards that allow them to use multiple technology providers, uh, not just one, which, which allows them to not be dependent on a single technology vendor, which usually when you're implementing networks like 5G, uh, providers have a tendency of just choosing a single provider. Japan actually is home to two of the large 5G 
equipment manufacturers worldwide, mm. which is Fujitsu and NEC, but there's their own standards actually allow just about any manufacturer to participate in the building of their 5G network. Oh, that's cool. Japan also took a different stand on how to build their 5G network, which allows mobile providers to actually focus their funds on building a solid and secure network, not just trying to capitalize on 5G straight out of the gate. So what does all that really mean to regular people like me? Well, in the U.S., the FCC actually auctions off the frequencies that carriers use for 5G. Um, and, they, and it costs hundreds of millions of dollars, which puts a lot of pressure on the network provider to turn that frequency into right. a real product that they could sell quickly. That means they may not invest as heavily on security or buy the right equipment that ensures it. Japan, on the other hand, gives the frequencies away to its five mobile providers for free. For Un free? For free. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of dollars saved. Their only condition is that they have to deploy it nationwide in four to five years and in compliance with government-issued security standards. Hmm. So what do you call those telecom manufacturers again that you buy from? Vendors. Ah, yes, vendors. <laughs> and like the U.S., Japan has very strong security standards meant to protect our privacy from vendors. Actually, a very interesting story that I don't think most people had heard, the U.S. Department of Defense actually stopped U.S. mobile providers from using LTE and 5G equipment provided by certain Chinese manufacturers when they actually realized they were being used as a means of spying on U.S. Wow. citizens. Wait, you mean to tell me that there were actually mobile devices and tower equipment made specifically to spy on the United States? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. It's not every day that the U.S. actually bans a manufacturer from distributing its product to U.S. citizens. The wow. evidence has to be like pretty overwhelming. Yeah. It's it's actually funny, and I'm thinking back like 20 years ago, I specifically remember a story that puts this all in perspective for me. Do Tell you me. remember nope. 20 years ago? <laughs> no, I don't. Do you remember 20 years ago when I traveled quite a bit to Latin America um, wait, as part of my do job? Do I remember when you would travel? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a hard so, yes. So that's a yes then. Okay, so I do, I always remember I... I used to, to work with government-run phone companies in Latin America. I was Part of my job was to work with the local government mm -hmm. and the phone companies. And similar to U.S. government buildings, when you go down to a Latin American phone company, it's, 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 not, it's not the most modern building. It's usually not well-funded. It's kind of falling apart. That then sounds go, amazing. It was amazing. And then you, you go into their equipment room or kind of where all the cables and data come in what's called a switch room. And I always remember, you know, I used to go into these switch rooms and it was like hundred year old equipment and it was like clicking noises. Oh, it was gosh. almost like being in a, some kind of manufacturing plant. And then one day I'd start walking into these different rooms in different countries and they had this modern equipment, like state of the art equipment that was like literally whatever the top carriers in the US were using. And I'd ask them, like, how did you guys, you guys are always so strained for budgets. How did you pay for this? And they said, we got the greatest offer in the world. We had this Chinese company come in, this company called Huawei. 
What? And they gave <laughs> that's what they're called. And they gave us zero percent interest for 30 year worth of financing. And I said, honestly, that's the best deal I ever heard of. It yeah. almost sounds too good to be true. And it turns out it probably oh, was too good to yeah. be true because once you give a country that equipment, you don't even need to tap the phone lines of any politician or business leader. You are the phone company at that point because you have access to um, right. all those connections. So yeah, this this has been going on for a long time. A and crazy story. The U.S. Uh, Department of Defense decided it was time to put a stop to it. Wow. You know, there are 339 events in this Olympics. 33 sports will be competing in Japan. Can you name any of them? I get like three, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, I feel like we got track and field. Gymnastics. Swimming. Surfing. Fencing. I think I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Equestrian. That's a sport? Yes. Wow. wow, that's great. Cycling. Well, yeah. That's fencing. Well, you said fencing, right? I did. I think you did. <laughs> um, skateboarding. It's a new one. Really? There's like five new ones. Surfing, skateboarding, softball, baseball. So how come is like like lacrosse or tennis? Oh, well, you know what? Lacrosse, how come they're not Olympic Lacrosse sports? would be a great one right I think that would be a good olympic sport that would be really good cool. you should su suggest it to <laughs> i'm gonna put it in the suggestion <laughs> box i'm well, gonna speak to the robot what olympic sport if you could compete would you compete in oh obviously <laughs> judo judo when i was a kid i learned martial arts and judo was it and judo is an olympic is it? sport it is is I it know new for sure <laughs> It's not new. It's been Dude. around for a while. Have you? It's ever... one of the. It's like the annex venues. It's not in the main Aww. hall. But I, I would have. I should have. I should have kept at it, and I would have possibly maybe. You could have been a contender. in my wild, wildest dream, <laughs> been a contender in the Olympics. What about you? Well, obviously, I mean, I've thought about this because <laughs> I'm so athletic. But I don't know. I think. I think I would have to say. <laughs> The hula hoop, because I really, I couldn't get that ring that going. That is not an Olympic sport. <laughs> no, but it could be. And if it was, <laughs> so, it would do so, so well. So we're making a case it's for the hula all, hoop. It's all in the hips, Max. It's it all really in the is. hips. You know, they will be broadcasting over the cloud remotely instead of being at the games. Most of the broadcasting tech people won't be allowed in the actual arenas. So I'm wondering, and I know you've covered this with me before, but which cloud is it again? <laughs> <laughs> and how does it even work? Like, how does the viewer know on the other side of the world which cloud it is and able to pull it down from this cloud? It just seems so confusing, Max. It, it does sound very confusing. So it's just a better way to distribute content in this case. Think of the fact that whether we're here in the U.S. or someone's in another country, we all want to watch the events, but we want to watch it as close to real time as possible to be part of that immersive experience. But we want to watch it on whatever device we choose. So where I might want to watch it on our big screen TV, someone around the world might want to watch it on their smartphone. So the concept of the cloud is really just a way to distribute things in a way that could be pulled as different media on different uh, sizes of screens for, for content whether it's an app or TV station broadcasting it or anything else. So as I mentioned before, like the NBC sports app, it would be pulled from a cloud. Exactly. Wow. Once you host everything in the cloud, you can pull it in different formats. So why have we never used these clouds before? 
just seems so silly that it took us until now. Well, I, I think the concept of cloud being used as a primary way of uh, hosting media and distributing media is really something that's taken mainstream over the last two years more than it ever has before because of the pandemic. So now that infrastructure is in place yeah. where we can use it. What about the use of IoT devices in the Olympics? Has anything new been introduced since the last Olympics? So the last Olympics was actually the highlight of IoT. It was like the grand slam <laughs> of IoT. The U.S. Olympic team actually said or, or said part of the reason why they won right. like 130 plus medals was because of all the sensors and all the data collection. Right. It all started with IoT. Like they used it in training to record their performance and learned how to grow and build on How that. to perfect. It was really all about getting that micro data to be able to perfect everything in every single sport. Wow, that's pretty cool. It reminds me of when you ran the New York City Marathon, which most people oh, yeah. do not know that you did. And I think that that's a pretty major accomplishment. I ran a half marathon once, if you remember. Yeah, I remember for sure. <laughs> and I thought I was going to die at mile nine. <laughs> and I kept thinking, how do people run a full marathon? So my, you know, I have the utmost respect for you and for all people who complete marathons. But I remember that you were able to record your exact time crossing the finish line because you had a little sensor that was attached to your sneaker. That's right. They, <laughs> give, they gave you a little sensor and... It's, it was amazing because you can actually track where I was along the course as I was running. So you knew at any given time where I was. Right. What, what I think they should add, though, is when you get to mile 20, it's what <laughs> I like to refer to now, I, now that I live like in the zombie, zombie zone. land. It is zombie <laughs> land. It's like I, I still remember I had this like all like well-trained and put together lady run past me and she had like perfect Lululemon outfit and whatever. Hey, and I was hey, like, don't I, be no, hating on Lululemon. I was impressed. I mean, she was, she was smoking me. And, and, and I was like, wow, that, that woman's going to be having like lunch when, I, when I'm still yeah. somewhere around mile 18 and I get to mile 20 and that same <laughs> well she, like, put together lady down? is literally like bent over throwing up. Ugh, and it's like, the, 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 like her body just gave out. And yeah. a lot of runners I noticed around mile 20 were just completely like their body basically said like no more. So they should really use the sensors yes, more for they should that. train better, tell, right, for yeah. the next, if they finished. I mean, I would hope they would get, you got to mile 20. I mean, I would crawl. Yeah. I don't even care. It would for, take like hours. I would crawl to that freaking finish line. For for the record, I, I went you all did. the way to 26.2. I know. It took I us a few hours, but we found you in that freaking park. <laughs> yeah. You, you definitely needed some sensor help, though, to find me in that crowd of whatever it was, like 3 million. Yeah. It's pretty insane. What, one other additional sensor that's actually being added to this Olympics is specifically for the new sport they added, which is surfing. Ah, uh, yeah. Which which is kind of cool. So I love the, it. The biggest challenge with surfers they found is you can't restrict them with too many sensors on their body as they're out there in open water, catching a wave, and then moving, navigating <laughs> their way to ride the wave. Yeah. So in a bathing suit. In, in a bathing suit. So not a lot of real estate to work with unless you're going to start taping wires on them. So they actually teamed up with that company that makes the ring called Aura. Mm -hmm. which is a sensor ring. It basically looks like a regular ring and it allows them to track 
the athletes for recovery time. Oh, so in they, case they hit a big wave and that's <laughs> in case they hit a big wave and then there are some big go, waves in Japan. There there are definitely some big waves in Japan. Um, but, but the concept is really the recovery time, like how how they have to recover to be back to a hundred percent to perform at a hundred percent. Wow, it's pretty cool. Well, I have a fun fact for you, and I know you love when I give you a fun fact. I love I love your fun facts because you never share the facts before we do this. Right. So I Why? always learn something is, new. Exactly. Do you know the reason they stopped using a pistol to start Olympic races? I do not. I mean, one obviously is safety. But <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't think they were actually <laughs> shooting bullets. No, I mean, they are supposed to shoot blanks, I would hope. But more importantly for the Olympic Games was fairness. Because although, the, like I said, the guns are usually shooting blanks, sometimes they would shoot some type of a powder that would blow a black smoke to signal that it's been shot off right. due to the speed of sound. There was actually a lag time in runners hearing the sound. So runners at the furthest lane from where the pistol was shot were hearing the sound and having slower reaction times to those that were closer to it. So the Olympics now use Omega's electronic start system, and it's a plastic device that doesn't fire at all but it's connected to the official timers and it triggers speakers behind each runner. That sounds very fair. I guess the the way they used to do it, either you were right <laughs> next to the gun and you'd lose your hearing, yes. but you'd be you know, you'd the win first that one out. Yeah. But, or you'd be the last one to be like, oh, I'm sorry, are we starting yet? Wait, but do you know Omega is actually owned by the Swatch Group? So who owns Swatch? Oh, I didn't know that. So, And do you remember Swatch? I always... Did you I have remember, a Swatch? I, I had, had a Swatch. A swatch. <laughs> I had a Swatch that... I mean, oh, how many I, colors did your swatch have? Well, I had because... a couple, I'll be honest. But I, <laughs> my favorite was this, it was kind of a see through ish band and it had fish floating in it. Oh my God. I don't even, honestly, where's that watch? I bet my sister has it somewhere. <laughs> I, I bet your sister has it. <laughs> she's she's going to yell at me if she hears this. If you saw my swatch, you would make fun of me because I think it was literally a black band with a white dial. Like why? Like white You could that choose anything. Actually, there are stores all over, you know, the world still. And our boys have seen the stores and you can make your own now. Yeah. So I feel like that's a cool thing to design your own watch. One of a kind. I do too. So in honor of the Summer Olympic Games, I want to play a game where you award three items that I have selected the gold, the silver, or the bronze medal, <laughs> based on what you know and feel about each. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, number one, the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra 5G, <laughs> offering the highest resolution photos and videos, fastest processing yet, highest level of security featuring the Knox Vault to keep your biometric authentication data secure, intelligent battery that lasts over 24 hours, even on 5G. Number nice. two, the Bose QuietComfort 35 headphones. Noise cancellation can be used wirelessly, has noise canceling microphone, lightweight, and has a rechargeable battery. Often put up against the Focal Stelia closed back headphones, but comes out on top in all comparisons. <laughs> and number three, the Microsoft Modern Mobile Mouse, thought to be the best mouse for Windows users, Bluetooth interface, Bluetooth track technology, so there's no mouse pad needed, Bluetooth connectivity up to 33 feet in range, 
ambidextrous, and the lefty in me appreciates this a lot. So what's it going to be? That's a really hard choice. I mean, you got three top contenders there. I know, I know. Those are, like, know. Those are top technologies for me all I know. the board. So this is, this is where you're going to, you know, they're all great. Sometimes they, they miss it by like a tenth of a second, Max. All right, I'm going to start with the gold medal just because I want to get it out of the way. <laughs> do we award me, gold first? I yeah, think we do. Okay. I, we, we do now. So I think, I think the gold has to go not only to great technology, but technology that's sustainable over time. Okay. And for me, that's the Bose Quiet Comfort. Now we know you headphones. love your, your noise cancellation headphones. <laughs> I mean, just, just the pleasure of knowing I can board an aircraft and put those suckers on. And when the person sits down next to me and wants to start a polite conversation, I, mean, I can just point nice. to my ears and say, I'm sorry, they're, they're noise canceling. I can't hear but you. But how do you hear them if they're noise canceling? How do you even know they're trying yes, to hear you? Yes, correct. <laughs> that is exactly correct. And the silver medal goes to the silver medal is going to have to go to my love, the S21 uh, 5G Ultra Samsung. I mean, phone. honestly, and I'm going to be honest, this is probably the first time that I've possibly just really thought for a minute that I could go to the other side. And I know that that's like, you know, crazy. you know what takes people over the edge is probably what takes me over the edge when I'm stuck somewhere because of a snowstorm and I forget a charger, having a 24-hour battery I mean, on your phone, cool, right? that's, that's a game changer Even right with there. 5G. So when you're on I 5G, know. that's pretty amazing. So that, that's having that consistent experience. I got to give it to that. I'm going to give the bronze to the Microsoft mouse, but in all fairness, it's only because I haven't really used it extensively that um. I can say, like, this <laughs> yes. has changed my life. I'm sure it's a phenomenal product. But All right. Well, this was a wonderful Olympics game. <laughs> Thank you for letting me participate in your <laughs> Olympics. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, Max, this has me excited for the games to start. You know the Olympics 2024 will be held in Paris. I, I see and, a trip planned. And <laughs> as you know, in the words of Audrey Hepburn, Paris is always a good idea. <laughs> Let me get online and book some tickets. All right, I'll bring my hula hoop. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. Please continue to listen and subscribe. You could always find us on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. You could find us on Instagram at Techie and the Blonde or ask us any questions or suggest topics we should discuss at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. And our new and exciting website has launched, techieandtheblonde.com. You can find tons of content and pictures everything discussed on the episodes. Thanks again. Oh, oh, oh.